Matthew chapter number 2, verse number 13. And when they were departed, behold, the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. And speaking of the wise men, the wise men have come and visited the baby Jesus. Arise and take the young child and his mother and flee into Egypt and be there till I bring thee word. For Herod will seek the young child to destroy him. When he arose, he took the young child and his mother by night and departed into Egypt. It was there until the death of Herod that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord, by the prophet, saying, Out of Egypt have I called my son. Then Herod, when he saw that he was mocked of the wise men, was exceeding wroth, and sent forth and slew all the children that were in Bethlehem, and all the coast thereof, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had diligently inquired of the wise men. Then was fulfilled that which was spoken by Jeremy the prophet, saying, In Ramah was there a voice heard, lamentation and weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children and would not be comforted because they are not. But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt, saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead, which which sought the young child's life. And he arose and took the child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. Father, would you help us today as we look into your word, as we find strength from it, as we find hope, Lord, as we find deliverance, as we find salvation from your word. I pray today that you would allow your Holy Spirit to work in the midst of each person here today. I pray that each heart would be submissive to you. And Father, I pray that... uh, Lord, whatever you want to accomplish in our lives, that we'd be submissive to you. Do a great work, I pray today. Change us. Cause us to be more like Christ. Lord, if there's anyone here today that has never trusted you as their Savior, Lord, I pray today they'd be saved. Lord, those that are struggling, those that are hurting, those that are discouraged, Lord, I pray that you'd encourage them through your word today. So, Lord, uh, whatever you want to accomplish, we yield to you. We ask you this in Jesus' name, amen. When you think of the Christmas story, you think of the birth of a baby, the singing of angelic choir, you think of the phrase peace on earth, shepherds abiding in the fields, and Emmanuel, God with us. The beauty of the Christmas story, isn't it a wonderful thing? I love the Christmas season, I love this time of year. I love going through and hearing those words, Merry Christmas, and uh, the spirit that this this time of year brings. You know, if it were you and I that uh, were those that participants of the Christmas story, Joseph and Mary, we'd obviously find joy, we'd see the joy, we'd see the Lord working, but it also brought struggles. This Christmas story that we just read here in Matthew chapter number two, we find where the wise men come to Jesus and they bring gifts, gold and frankincense and and myrrh. They worship this baby Jesus. But as they were coming in and following that star, the Bible tells us that they went to Herod, the king there, and said, we come to worship the, the, the baby Jesus, the king, the Messiah, and tell him of the star and Herod Uh, wanting to know who this child was, not so that he could go and worship like he said, but he was not 
going to allow there to be room for any other king besides him. He says to the wise men, go and, and worship. Find him and worship him and come back and tell me who he is and where I can find him so that I can go and worship him as well. The wise men find the baby Jesus and they worship him and they give him these, these gifts. And then there was a a dream given to them by night to go home a different way, not to tell Herod. And when Herod, the Bible says, finds out that he was mocked or that he, they didn't come back and tell him where Jesus could be found, he sent this decree out. He said, every child that's two years old and down is to be murdered, to be killed. And the angel of the Lord says to Joseph, I want you to flee. I want you to take baby Jesus and Mary. And I want you to go down into Egypt and stay there until I give you word to come back. And, and so Joseph does this. Joseph leaves, and, and, he, and he leaves his home to go down to Egypt. Now think about the, the human struggles that Joseph and Mary went through. We sing Silent Night and, and, and all the Christmas carols and we enjoy the gifts and we enjoy the family, we enjoy the, the Christmas season. But Joseph had struggles. Joseph and Mary, as we've seen the last couple weeks, we find this, these two young people that were in love, they now have to make wedding plans that are different than they had planned. They take this trip to be taxed, and there while they're on this trip to be taxed, Jesus is born in a manger. Now we find here, not, it's not over. The, 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 the burdens aren't finished. They're not through. Joseph now has to take and flee his home and take Jesus and Mary into Egypt and live in Egypt until Herod is dead and they can get back home safely can only think that at some point Joseph might have said this. This is so much harder than I had planned to be. This is difficult. This isn't what I imagined. Going through sorrow, going through this plan is difficult. This is requiring more of his resources, this is requiring more of his effort, this is requiring more than he probably ever dreamed he'd have to give to be the father of Jesus. And we read this Christmas story. I want you to think this morning what Joseph is going through, what Mary is going through. Specifically in this passage of Scripture, Joseph is required to move. He's required to take everything he has and flee in the middle of the night to, to flee so that Jesus would not uh, be as these others that were murdered and killed. He flees and he has to go into Egypt. I thought this morning, as I reviewed this message and prayed this morning, I thought that his thoughts, the birth of Jesus, it changed everything for Joseph, didn't it? it changed everything. It changed all of Joseph's plans. It changed all of Joseph's dreams. And just when you think that everything's going to be settled, something else happens. You know, that describes the Christian life sometimes, doesn't it? We have our lives written, we have our lives planned, and we, uh, we, we think that everything that we desire, we've got it all laid out. 
We're going through that with my son. And really, for the next six years, he has his plans all laid out. Do you remember when you were young and engaged and talking about plans and dreams? I remember talking with my wife. We were in love, and we still are. We're even in love more now than then. But we were in love and talking about marriage, and we had everything planned out. Jacob was going to come not a year after we were married, but five years after we were married. We had it all planned out. We knew where we were going to live. We had everything planned out. You know what I found? Nothing that we planned has happened. You know, God has a way of making his own plans, doesn't he? God has a way of, of doing what he desires with our lives. And this morning, I want to tell you this, we ought to let him. The best thing we could do is let God have his way in our lives. So often we resist, so often we, 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 we get our own plans, and when God seeks to rewrite our life or to change our life, we resist. Knowing this, though, that God's way is always the better way. God's way is always the perfect way. Often here in this passage of Scripture, we read this, that, that these things happen so that Scripture could be fulfilled. And, and uh, so he is taken to Egypt so that Scripture can be fulfilled. And all through this passage of Scripture, we find Scripture being fulfilled. Joseph had to allow his entire life to be rewritten. And this morning, just in these next few moments, I want us to learn something from this Christmas story. I want us to learn something that I believe that we could leave here and be better Christians for it. Three things I see here in this passage of Scripture. Three things that if we'd allow God to have his way, number one, I want you to write this down if you would please. Number one, God wants to change us. God wants to change us. God desires for us to be what he wants us to be, not what we desire to be. The Bible tells us this, that this baby Jesus came, and the reason why he was born is because he came to seek and to save that which were lost. This baby Jesus that we celebrate, this baby Jesus that we sing about, this baby Jesus that we now have a Christmas, a birthday for, he came for one reason, and that was this, to take those that were lost and give them the gospel, give them eternal life. He doesn't desire for any human being to stay the same. He came into this world to seek and to save or to find those that needed a redeemer and offer himself as that free gift. Isn't that a wonderful thing? The best gift that has ever been given through all of uh, human history is this gift of Jesus Christ, this gift, the redeemer, this gift of salvation that can only come through Jesus Christ. The Bible says he didn't come for the righteous, but he came for the unrighteous. Aren't you glad that he didn't come for the perfect? He came for those that aren't perfect. Maybe you're here today and you say, boy, there's a lot of things about me that are just not right. There's a lot of things that aren't perfect. There's a lot of wrong Jesus Christ came for you. 
He came for the outcast. He came for the downtrodden. He came for the discouraged. He came for the hopeless. He came for you so that you could have everlasting life. He came to change you from lost to found. A few weeks ago, a couple weeks ago, after the morning service, there was a fellow that came down to this aisle. We talked for a few moments and he came. He said, I need to be saved. He raised his hand during the invitation time and began to tell a story. And I believe he's here this morning as well. And, and uh, uh, he began to tell me a story. And, and I said, wait, so what you're telling me is this. You've done so many things wrong. You feel too guilty to be able to be saved. And he says, that's exactly how I feel. And the truth is, that's how many people feel. They look at the things they've done in their life and they look at the sin they've committed. They look at the things they've messed up. They look at the people they've hurt and they say, there's no way, there's no way after all I've done, there's no way after all the hurt I've caused, there's no way after all the decisions I've made that there's any hope for me. But I want you to know this morning because a babe came and was born because God loved you so much, his son came to this earth, his son was born to change you so that you you can have everlasting life. Isn't that a wonderful thing? A wonderful thing that is. I remember a story of a man I met when I was living in Cincinnati. He was a truck driver. And this man, Perry, he was, he was a sinful man. He lived his entire life drinking and his entire life living in pleasures of this world. And Perry's children, we'd pick up and bring to church on the buses. We'd drive through a trailer park not far from the church, and his kids would get on the Sunday school bus, and we'd bring them into Sunday school. We'd go and we'd visit Perry, and his wife, Perry, never wanted anything to do with the church people. Most of the time, even early on a Saturday, when we would visit him, he'd already have a, a beer in his hand and already just not want anything to do with our, our church people, and but week after week, we'd go back and we'd visit him. Week after week, we'd go and pick his children up for church. Something happened. One day, Perry wanted to hear what we were telling his children. And so Perry said that Saturday, he said, I, I don't need you to pick my kids up for church tomorrow. I'm going to bring them. Now, Perry was rough. I mean, he was rough. I thought, oh, no, what's Perry going to do? Perry showed up in church that next day. He brought his kids. His kids went off to Sunday school, and Perry sat in the auditorium that Sunday morning. And when that message was through, Perry raised his hand and came down that aisle and trusted Jesus Christ as his Savior. And Perry was changed. Perry said, he said, I don't need you to pick my kids up anymore for Sunday school. We said, Perry, what's wrong? He said, I'm bringing them every week now. And every single week, Perry would come and he'd sit in that service and Perry said, I, I need a Bible so that I could read a Bible. And we got Perry a Bible and every week Perry would say what he read out of the Bible. You could obviously see that the life that Perry once had was changed when he trusted Christ as a Savior. It was just a few months after Perry trusted Christ as a Savior that Perry got news that he, he had liver cancer is years of living the way he lived caused him to have just this awful, awful liver issue. And then a few months later, Perry realized that he only had a few months to live. 
And I met Perry often in the hospital, and I stood there as Perry took his last breath in that hospital room with his family all around, and Perry slipped out into eternity, and his mom said something to me I'll never forget. She says, when Perry met Jesus, Perry changed. You see, it doesn't matter how much bad you've ever done. It doesn't matter how much sin you've ever committed. Jesus changes you if you invite him into your heart. I've told you before a story about a man by the name of Dominic Inizzi. Dominic was an Italian fella from South Philadelphia, and he ran numbers for the, the mob. He worked on the docks down in the South Philly uh, uh, a boat yard, and he was not a very nice guy. Well, Dominic's mo- uh, wife got saved. Started going to a Baptist church in South Philly, and Dominic's daughter got saved and started going to the same church, and Dominic's son got saved and started going to this church. And so now his adult son, adult daughter, and his wife are all going to this church in South Philly. And he didn't like it. They were going Sunday morning, Sunday night. They were going Wednesday night. They were reading their Bible. They were praying. They said he, the, he thought this. They are a part of a cult. Dominic would uh, not happy with what was happening to his family. Dominic said, I'm going to take care of this. He took his gun. He put his gun in the back waistband of his, of his uh, uh, pants and went to church that Sunday night. And he said this, this is what I'm going to do. At some point during the service, I'm going to kill the preacher. Went to the church to kill the preacher. Because the preacher was preaching and his family was changing. He said, These, my family's a part of this cult. They're reading their Bible. They're praying. They're going to church three times a week. What's wrong with them? He said, I'm going to put an end to this. It's a true story. I know Dominic. I know Dominic well. His son, Sally Nizzi, was the fellow that uh, uh, my wife and I worked in the youth ministry under. And, and, and Dominic went to church that evening, determined that he was going to kill the pastor waiting for the right time, and the pastor preached a message, and he tells a story like this. That pastor was preaching about Jesus, and his face was red, and he's, 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 he's huffing and puffing, telling him about Jesus Christ and what he can do for you, and that Jesus came to this world to save sinners, and it doesn't matter what sin you've ever committed, that Jesus Christ loves you, and he wants to save you. That service was over, and they have what we have, an invitation time, a time where people can come and respond to that message. Dominic Inizzi took a step out into that aisle, made his way, beeline right for that preacher. And as that preacher met him down in the middle of the aisle, the preacher stuck his hand out, and Dominic Inizzi, instead of putting a gun to the preacher, he put his hand out and said, I need to be saved. And that man who was once one of the most wicked sinners you'd ever meet, that man who used to run numbers for the mob and, and, and be involved in some criminal things, became a deacon in the church, became one of the greatest soul winners I've ever seen. Why? Because Jesus Christ changes you. Changes you. Jesus Christ came to change you. He came to find the lost and make them found. He came to find the unrighteous and make them righteous. He came to find the sinner and make him a saint. He came to find the orphan and make him a child of the king. That's what Jesus Christ came to do. I want you to look with me in verse number 19. The Bible says, But when Herod was dead, behold, an angel of the Lord appeareth in a dream to Joseph in Egypt. 
saying, Arise and take the young child and his mother and go into the land of Israel, for they are dead which sought the young child's life. And he arose. He took the young child and his mother and came into the land of Israel. Then the Bible goes on to tell us this in verse number 22, that he heard that uh, Herod's son was now the, the king, and so he feared going back to this place. Instead of going back there, the Bible says this, that God, God uh, uh, warned him in a dream. He turned aside and went in the parts of Galilee. Instead of going uh, home to where he was supposed to go, the Bible says this, that he feared what Herod's son would do. And so they didn't go all the way back home. They turned aside and went to a different place. I want you to write this down. Not only will Jesus change you, he'll also direct you if you'll let him. See, Jesus didn't just come to save you, to leave you. He didn't say, all right, you've trusted me as your Savior. I'm through with you. On to the next person. Now that you're saved, now that you've trusted him as your Savior, Jesus now wants to direct you. The Bible tells us this, that uh, 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 Joseph was in over his head. I mean, Joseph is moving from place to place. Joseph has no idea, you know, what's going to happen next. Think about this. Joseph, he simply was doing right. He had all of his plans to marry Mary, and, and Jesus comes in her life, and everything changes. They move to Egypt. They're ready to come back home, and instead of going home, they realize this. God says in a dream, guess what? I don't want you to go all the way back home. You got to go to a different place, and so they go to a place called Nazareth, the Bible says, and they listen to the voice of the Lord. I want to say this to you this morning, that Jesus not only wants to change you, he wants to direct your life as well. He wants you to be willing to let him lead you. Joseph Following Jesus, he feels like he's in over his head. Have you ever felt over your head before? You ever felt like you're not quite sure what the right direction is? Have you ever been there? I believe this is where God wants us to be. This is a place of faith. God wants us to be in a place where we're constantly letting him lead us. God wants us to be in a place where we're yielded to him. God wants us to be in a place where the, the word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. He desires to guide us. Listen, we don't know the best for our life, but we know who does know the best, and we can always trust in him. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart and lean not under thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him and he, what? Will direct thy path. Wonderful thing about the Christmas story. God said, I love the world so much, I'm going to give my son. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. God loved you so much. He said, I'm not going to let you die in your sin. I'm not going to let you go off into eternity, into a, into a, 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 a dark eternity without Christ. I'm going to send a Savior. I'm going to send a Redeemer. And if you trust him, I'll change you. And then he said this, once you've trusted him, I'll direct you. I'm sure glad Joseph didn't have to figure this out on his own, aren't you? And listen to me, Christian, you don't have to figure life on your own either. 
God wants to direct you. Maybe there's some here this morning and you're looking at the problems in life and the burdens of life that you're carrying. Maybe you're looking at some issues in life and you're wondering, I don't know what to do next. Does God really care? I don't know what step to take next. I want you to do this today. I want you to yield your life to the Lord and say, Lord, I trust you. If you can trust him to save you, you can trust him to lead you and direct you. I tell you, I enjoyed, I enjoyed Dr. Gibbs last week, didn't you? Boy, he was a blessing to our church. I think I've heard more response from a, a yes preacher from, from you uh, concerning Dr. Gibbs and any other pre guest preacher we've had. Matter of fact, I said, Dr. Gibbs, I think you, I need to resign. You need to come pastor this church. They love you. He said, no, my stories will run out in two weeks. <laughs> I said, change them up. That's what I do. No. Just kidding. He told stories last week of people that allowed God to direct them. And many here, many here heard those stories and they impacted your life. But what God did is God used some of you to write a story as well. I had a family come to me and say, Pastor, we want to help a family in our church for Christmas offering. And they said, we want to tell you a story. We couldn't believe this. They said, we've been working for the same company for 17 years, and in those 17 years, our owners have never offered us a raise. Anytime we ever got a raise, we had to go and ask, can we please have a raise? They said, the owner would give us one, but we never got one. He never came to us and said, you're doing a great job, I'm gonna give you a raise. They weren't complaining, they were just telling me the story. They said, we committed this year that we were gonna give a certain amount of money to a, to a family. And they had that, 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 that amount and had that check, and they said, Dr. Gibbs preached that message, and it was just confirmation in our own heart. We said, God, we don't know where it's all gonna come from, but we trust you, and we're gonna be obedient. They said they went into work the very next day. They went into work on Monday. The owner was, just happened to be from Cleveland, happened to be there in their work, and he gave out all the Christmas bonuses, and he looked at this couple and he said, oh, by the way, we're going to give you a raise this year as well. Coincidence or God? God. I sat with family after family this week or got a text or a phone call of family after family. I've been praying with another family in our church who owns a, a, a company here in the area and was having some issues in their company. And I committed every day, I said, Lord, I'm gonna pray every day that you'd work in this, this situation. I got a text from that family that God worked all of it out. And the last part of that text was, praise God. And I said, you got that right, praise God. You see, God desires to direct us. And sometimes when God directs us, it always doesn't make sense, does it? 
And sometimes it's going down into Egypt and it doesn't make sense. And sometimes it's I'm wanting to go back home, Joseph. But God says, you can't go back home, Joseph. But God wants to direct us. And because Joseph was willing for God to direct him and Joseph was surrendered with God to direct him, we see that Joseph's life was pleasing the Lord and God's word was fulfilled because Joseph was willing to allow God to direct his life. Joseph is lost without direction of the Lord, and so are we. Listen, this life is too difficult. This life is too hard. This life is too full of potholes. We need to trust the direction of the Lord. And I pray this Christmas season, if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, that you will accept him as your Savior and let him change you. And if you know him as your Savior, maybe you're not following the Lord. Maybe you're doing your own thing. Maybe you're making your own decisions. I would trust today that you would say, God, I surrender. I give up. I give in. From this point forward, I'm going to let you direct my life because you know what's better. God's promised never leave you nor forsake you. Think about this morning, the God that spoke this universe into existence. The gods whose words the entire universe obeys is the same God that desires to direct your life. It's the same God that promised to be the light under your path. It's the same God that said, I will meet all of your needs. It's the same God. Joseph, trust in that God. My prayer today is that you would trust him as well. And I want you to see something interesting as well in verse 23. The Bible says, And he came and dwelt in a city called Nazareth, that it might be fulfilled. Once again, we find Scripture being fulfilled, that it might be fulfilled, which is spoken by the prophets. He shall be called a Nazarene. You see what I find here in this passage of Scripture? God knew what he was doing. Way back in the Old Testament, God said that a child was going to be born of a virgin. And guess what? A child was born of a virgin. Way back in the Old Testament, he said that that child was going to be born in in Bethlehem. And guess what? That child was born in Bethlehem. He also said this, out of Egypt, I'll uh, I'll bring out my child and, and my son. And guess what? Out of Egypt, he did. He also said this, that child is going to be a Nazarene. And guess what? God's word is always right. I want you to write this down, number three. If you'll let it, he'll also define us. Jesus was a Nazarene because Scripture said so. Joseph was willing to direct, allow God to direct his path so that Jesus could be in Nazareth, so that the Bible prophecy could be fulfilled. I want to ask you this morning, what defines who you are? He shall be called a Nazarene. Joseph was changed. Joseph was directed. Now we see the word of God defines who Jesus Christ is. Who are you? What defines you? Listen, I want to uh, submit this today to us, that we're a Christian. That means this, we're followers of Christ. Our actions, our words, our lifestyle, that all define us. Others ought to see us and say, that's a Christian. That's a follower of Christ. 
how we live our life, a life of joy, a life of of peace, a life of contentment, not a life filled of trying to get all the things of this world, not a life trying to consume all of the worldly lust, but a life pleasing the Lord, a life content, a life obedient to the word of God. Oh, listen to me, this Christmas season, as we look into the Christmas story, as you celebrate uh, Christmas in Christ's birth, I pray that you'll let him change you. I pray that you'll let him direct you. And I pray that you'll let him define you. Some will be around unsaved. Some will be around lost family this Christmas season. What do they say about you? What will they say? Will they leave and say, that's a Christian? I love that verse in Acts when it says they were first called Christians at Antioch. That means this, everyone noticed there's something different about those people. And what's different is this, they act like Jesus acts. Oh, this year ought to be a year, and maybe, maybe, maybe you've not always lived this way. Maybe you'll look back and say, boy, I failed. You know, one of the things I like about a new year, a new year could be a fresh start. Today's a new day, and we don't have to live in the guilt of our past. We don't have to live in the misery of yesterday's sins. We can ask forgiveness, and God said this, I'm faithful and just to forgive you your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. I can live a life defined as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. Maybe this past year you said this, I'm going to read my Bible every day. And maybe there's some days you failed and you didn't do it. And then finally you got discouraged and say, I quit. Well, listen to me. There's a new day, a new year. Start it off right. Maybe you said this, I'm going to pray every day. And maybe, maybe it didn't quite happen that way. And you got discouraged and you quit. Well, there's a new day and a new year. Start it off right. Maybe you said, I have not given like I'm supposed to give. I, I'm not tithe like I'm supposed to tithe. But listen to me, there's a new day and a new year. Let's start it off right. Let's be defined by being a Christian. Maybe you say, I've been unkind. I've not been nice. I've not treated people with respect. Or maybe there's someone specific the Lord's putting in your heart and your mind right now that you've not been right toward. Maybe today you could say, I'm going to get that right. I'm going to put that behind me. And from this point forward, I'm going to be defined as a Christian, a follower of Christ. Maybe you're here and you've put your faith in religion or maybe put your faith in good works or put your faith in the waters of baptism, there was a lady a couple weeks ago. She met me down front here after a service and she with tears said, I need to be saved. And Sherry was sitting there and I said, Sherry, I need your help. I said, this lady's come and she needs to be saved. And she says, I was baptized at four years old in my church. And she said, I thought that was enough. I thought that was enough to save me, but I'm hearing what you're preaching. I'm reading what the Bible says. And I realize this, baptism doesn't save me. I don't even remember when it was done. And she knelt here on the front row, Mrs. Kudrow, right where you're sitting. She bowed her head and she trusted Christ as her savior. And she said this after she was done, I understand it now. It makes sense now. Maybe that describes your life. Maybe you're religious. Maybe you're a good person. You're letting that define you. 
listen to me, that's a good thing to go to church. It's a good thing to be a kind person. It's a good thing to do good works, but that won't save you. The only thing that can save you is Jesus Christ. Do you know him? Christians, you are living in this world. How do people define you? Do they say if that's what a Christian is, then I want to be a Christian? Or do they say if that's what a Christian is, I'm fine being what I am? Which one would it be?